Therefore I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. This is Jonathan Smith, and welcome to the In His Grip radio broadcast. Join me for the next few minutes for old-fashioned singing and preaching. When you think you're about to lose grip on faith and life, remember this, for I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Good afternoon, everyone. It's a privilege to be back this afternoon. We will be in 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. Before we get into the message this afternoon, I dug up a song out of the bottom of the barrel that goes along with this message. You will recognize this old voice as soon as you hear it, at least for the older ones. But I hope it'll be a blessing to you when God walks the dark hills.
Amen. I'm glad that God walks the dark hills. 2 Corinthians chapter number 6 this afternoon. 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. I'll be reading verses 14 through 18. And then we'll get into the thought that God has laid upon my heart this afternoon. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and I will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. So we find here in verse 16, about middle ways through there, where God said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. So I'd like to preach for a few moments this afternoon with this thought in mind, when God walks in us, we see that he says, first of all, I will dwell in them. And then he says, and walk in them. There are several places and times in the Bible where we can find God walking around. For example, in Genesis chapter number 3, we find God is walking with Adam in the cool of the day. In Deuteronomy chapter number 23, we find God walking in the midst of the camp. In Psalm 68, we find God walking in the wilderness. In Psalm 104, we find God walking upon the wings of the wind. In Daniel chapter number 3, we find God walking in the fire. In Amos chapter number 4, we find God walking on the high places of the earth. In Amos chapter number 4, we find God walking through the earth. In Matthew chapter number 14, we find God walking on the sea. In Revelation chapter number two, we find God walking in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. And we just heard a song where it talks about where God walks the dark hills, the ways, the byways. He walks through the billows of life's troubled sea. He walks through the cold, dark night, the shadows of midnight. God walks the dark hills just to guide you and me. God walks in the storm, the rain, and the sunshine. He walks on the billows on through glimmering light. He helps us walk up the mountain so high, cross our rivers through valleys. God walks the dark hills because he loves you and me. God walks the dark hills to guide my footsteps. He walks everywhere by night and by day. He walks in the silence on down the highway. God walks the dark hills to show me the way. So we see that this great song, this author penned down these great words for us, but we also see several places in the Bible, and those were just a few that I mentioned, but God 
walks in us. Now, there are two truths that are presented here that should bless your heart this afternoon. Number one, it says that I will dwell in them. So that means that God lives within you. There are four dwelling places for God this afternoon. First of all, we see that we have his primary house in the third heaven, if you will, where God has lived before time. We have the second place, which is the picture house. So first we have his primary house in heaven. Then we have his picture house, which we find in the Old Testament known as the tabernacle, where the Shekinah glory of God would come down on top of the, the, the Ark of the Covenant and meet with the, the, the priest there when he was making offerings and so forth. So we have his primary house. We have his picture house. Then we have his perfect house. Jesus came born of a virgin and lived a perfect life here on earth in the flesh as a perfect house. So we have the primary house, we have the picture house, we have the perfect house, but fourth we see that he has his purchased house, which is the child of God. Amen. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So we see this afternoon that God lives within me. That is hard for me to wrap my brain around. That is hard for me to understand how such a great God can come and live inside of me and dwell inside of me. But he didn't stop there, my friend. He didn't just say, hey, I'm going to dwell in you. He says, I will dwell in you and walk in you. So we find that God walks within me. The word walk speaks of activity. It speaks of movement. You know, it's impossible to walk passively. Uh, you, you can't do it by accident. This requires energy. This requires a purpose. This requires a destination. You know, you don't find yourself walking by accident unless you're sleepwalking. And even then, subconsciously, you have something in mind. You have a destination. But when you have a purpose, you are walking actively to get to where you have in mind that you want to go. There, there is a mission, if you will. Might I put it to you this way? God, when he saved you by his marvelous power and by his marvelous grace, he didn't just move in, drag up a chair, and sit down in your heart. No, my friend. He is seated not only on the throne, but he is sitting in our hearts. And he didn't just move in. He is moving within our hearts this afternoon. So I'd like to preach on a few things this afternoon on what happens when God begins to walk within me. Well, what happens when God begins to walk uh, within me? First of all, I like to say it has a shaking effect. And this is what I would have to say is that it has got to do with your attention, my friend, this afternoon. So first of all, it has a shaking effect to deal with your attention. We understand I have hardwood floors in my house and it's very easy to detect when somebody is walking from the living room to the dining room or going to one of the back bedrooms or coming to the master bedroom because it gives a distinct sound. You sense how small, how big that person is, 
how great they are or how little they are or how fast they're coming or uh, if it seems like it's urgent or if they're just taking their time. It's feedback of how that person is walking on that hardwood floor. Hey, might I tell you, when God starts walking into your life and he starts moving within you and he starts getting your attention, you will realize on how big he is, the weightiness of God, the greatness of God, the mightiness of God. And when God moves in your life, he can't help but get your attention. That is the idea of why it has a shaking effect in your life. First of all, we see that he might be trying to get your attention on unconfessed sin. There might be something in your life that shouldn't be there. So what God's going to do is, whether it be through a song, whether it be through a testimony of a friend, or it might be the man of God getting up to preach God's word at church or at another event, a meeting, revival, or what have you, but God will use things in your life and it'll start moving. God will start walking in your life trying to uncover that unconfessed sin, trying to get you to deal with it so that God not only gets your attention, but he can give you the blessings that he has prepared for you. But he's not going to do that until first he gets your attention on that unconfessed sin. Second of all, he might be trying to get your attention on your unfaithful life. Now, I did not say unfaithful wife, W-I-F-E. I said life, L-I-F-E, even though all that applies as well. But we are to be faithful to each other. But what I'm talking about here is the unfaithful life to God himself. Hey, you can't live for God just on Sunday and then live like the devil from Monday through Saturday. Or God forbid that you put on a front even on Wednesday nights. God expects you to be have a faithful life for him 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. He wants you to be faithful to him. The Bible tells us that you can't serve God and mammon. So what he's trying to tell you, you can't have two masters. And we got several scriptures that we can look at this afternoon. But for the sake of time, God might be trying to get your attention because of your unfaithful life. Another thing that God might do to shake you up to get your attention, he might be trying to get you to realize that you might have some unpaid tithe, if you will. This is something a lot of preachers don't want to preach on, and, and it is a very awkward thing to preach on. But nevertheless, God requires the tithe that you should be given to your local church. And, and people want to argue and say, well, I, that's the Old Testament thing. There's nowhere in the New Testament that it talks about giving tithe. We don't have time this afternoon. Maybe one afternoon I will cover these things. But God has more to say about giving in the New Testament than he did in the Old Testament. Matter of fact, it's even above and beyond. Let me tell you something. You can't outgive God. I'm not going to preach a message of prosperity that if you give a hundred dollars to God, that God is going to give you a thousand dollars, even though I know he can. And I've seen God meet my needs, my family's needs several times throughout the years. But I also have heard stories. I've also have a, a witness, if you will, what happens when you have unpaid tithe in your life. I'll tell you this, you, you're better off with 90% with the blessings of God than 100% with a curse of God on it. I'll go ahead and tell you this. God will get his tithe. He might even get more than his tithe 
because he will walk in you. He will shake you up and get your attention. Fourth of all, we looked this afternoon that he might be trying to get your attention on the unread book. You might not be reading the Bible like you're supposed to. You might not be spending time with God, and God will shake your attention to get you to realize that you need to spend time with him every day. And last of all, in this shaking effect, he might be trying to get your attention on the unbent knee. God help us that we get to a place to where we treat God as if he was a 911 call center. A lot of people will only reach out to God when they need something. Let me tell you, how would you feel as a friend if you had somebody that only called you when you need something? I have seen it happen in, in life. I've even had some people that when I see their name pop up on my phone, they're not calling to talk to me to see how I'm doing. They're not calling me to see uh, uh, to catch up and try to meet and just have a good old time. No, when I see their name pop up on the phone, the first thing that goes through my mind is what do they want now? And uh, that's the way God feels sometimes with us. And sometimes he's got to shake us. He's got to give us that shaking effect to get our attention, to help us realize we've got an unbent knee. We are not fellowshipping with him as we should. When God walks in us, it's like he, it's like we, when we break down a gun and we get ready to clean it. Such big movement inside our hearts is just like God breaking us down and cleaning us and bringing us to the, to the shape that we need to be in. So first of all, when God walks in us, it has a shaking effect. Second of all, it has a stirring effect. Now the shaking effect has to do with your attention. But might I tell you this afternoon that a stirring effect has to do with your affection. We all love services where God moves in the tabernacle. He moves amongst his people and God blesses and, and you can just feel the presence of God. And some people might even say like they did in the old days, there was a fog that was in there. Now we don't have fog machines and so forth. That's just a metaphorical speech just to say how heavy the presence of God was in the service. The preacher couldn't preach. The singers couldn't sing. Nothing was being said, but business was being done. Hey, I'll tell you the answer to dead and dry services in our churches today is for God in his divine activity to just move in the hearts of his people. That is the only thing that's going to stir up a dead and dry service. And the answer to cold and broken hearts is not only his divine movement in the services, but his divine movement in the hearts of the believer. There is a distinct difference between these two. Now, let me ask you a couple questions this afternoon. When was the last time that God has stirred your soul? Now we talk about, man, I love it when God moves into a service. I love it when people get to touch on them and they get to shouting. They get to testifying or maybe they get the happy laughs or maybe they get the happy tears or maybe they get all of them at the same time and maybe they get out in the aisle and they're testifying. Maybe some of them will take a lap around the church or maybe God just blesses you because you see how he <clears throat> is blessing other people. But let me ask you, when was the last time God stirred your heart? He stirred your soul that you broke out of the, the, the norm, if you will, that you had the can't help it, that you had to raise that hand. You had those tears coming down your face. Well, you went down to the altar and dealt with things that you have worshiped God. 
hey, it's not enough for him to do it for somebody else, friend. I want him to move in my heart. Now, what happens in the heart of a believer when God begins to walk inside him? Hey, what happens in the heart of that believer? I'll tell you what happens. Something happens inside of them that cannot be understood by the world. Hey, the world looks on, looks on the outside, looking in at the church, and they're going, these are fanaticals. These people have lost their ever-loving mind. These people are, are in a trance, if you will. Hey, you can try to explain it to them all you want. They won't be able to understand it. Hey, the lost cannot comprehend it. If they were to come into the church and they don't know God, they look around. They don't understand it. They cannot comprehend it. They can try to wrap their brains around it. And here's the thing I fear the most. I feel some people get into an emotional trance, if you will, that they jump in and they try to feel like they're a part of it. And because of that, they convince themselves that they are saved. But deep down in their heart, they know they don't understand it. They know they don't comprehend it because it's just an emotional thing. But for the child of God, there is something happening on the inside that we know what it is. It is the peace that passes all understanding. It is the grace of God to get through the times that we're going through. It's the blessings of God that he reminds us. Man, might I tell you, it might not be that just the world can't understand it. It might be that the lost can't comprehend it. But I'm here to even tell you this afternoon, it won't even be understood by some church members. I don't understand. I've said on the platform a lot in my lifetime because I've grown up in the ministry. That's about all I know. And when I've sat there at times and I've seen God move through services, you can look out. You see people shouting. You see people laughing, not disrespectfully, just the happiness of God in their life. You see tears coming down their face. And then you got the uh, 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 collage of the wooden Indian sitting there. There's no emotion. There's no happiness. And there's no anger. It's just like they're not even there. They're just a puppet. And I'm going to tell you, there are people in a church that don't understand it. You can't put it into words. You can't describe it. It is a stirring effect that is inside you. Now, I have been in services where nothing was going on around me, but something big was going on inside of me. Let me say that again. Hey, I've been in services where nothing was going on around me, but something huge, something big was going on inside of me. It might be that that song had nothing to do with what I was going through. It might be be that the message that the man of God was preaching that afternoon had nothing to do with me, but there was something that God was doing in my life. He was reminding me of some things. He was taking me down memory's lane, or maybe he was showing something to me that was going to happen, or maybe he brought peace at the time that I needed the most, or maybe there was just that huge bucket of grace to get through that time. I'm going to tell you, there were times where the services, the preacher might think himself that, man, this was a dud. I was a flop. I preached my guts out and nothing happened. And he had no idea what God was doing in my life. And maybe we look around and you say, well, God's never touched that person. God's never done anything with them. They've never testified. They, and I believe that a person should testify. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I do have a problem 
with people that claim to be saved and they've never said one time in church, in public, hey, I want to thank God for saving me. You ain't got to go a big elaborate speech. That's enough to say at all. Or even to say, thank God I'm saved or whatever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. But what I'm talking about this afternoon is there's some people that <clears throat> they might not shout, but they might cry. They might not cry, but they might laugh. Everybody worships a little different, but I'm here to tell you that some thing is going to happen in your life when God starts moving inside of you. But like I'm saying this afternoon, I've been in services where nothing was going on around me, but something big was going on inside of me. Uh, my pastor, uh, Brother Clay Collins, was preaching the other day at, at church, and he said, sometimes we get to focus in on the outside, that it seems like God is doing nothing, but we have to remind ourselves that God might be doing something huge inside of somebody's life. It just hasn't become outwardly evident yet, but I promise you it will. God will keep moving and eventually everybody's going to know what was going on in that person's life. Today, we are looking for stuff around us but we should be paying attention to what's going on inside of us. And don't worry about what's going on inside of somebody else. Let God take care of that. Hey, th these some of these people are one way around God's people, but they're entirely a different way uh, when they're away from God's people. So what I'm trying to say, there are some people that they might look like, we look on the outside and we'll go, man, that was just a great service. And, and this person got blessed and this person got blessed. And it was just great to see this person test but yet when they go to their job on Monday morning, they live like the devil, they talk like the devil, they act like the devil, and I'm going to tell you, God ain't within 100 miles of that, and I'm even going to say for some of this super spiritual crowd, where they get in services and, and, and they go back and watch the videos and go, man, look at how I ran across the back of that pew, or, or look at how, uh, how this person did this, or look how this person did that. Did you see what I did there? And, and, and look, it's not about you. It's not about what you did. All you're telling me is, is how fleshly you are, how geared you are about what you are doing. Hey, I'm going to tell you, when God moves and you get in a service like that, you get around some people, they got a touch of God. They've got, they, they've got God just flowing off of them. You're not going to hear them say, well, did you see what I did? Did you see how I pumped that crowd up? Or did you see this or that? No, they're going to have tears and say, boy, wasn't God good. Didn't God move into that service? May the Lord be praised. See, the focus is not on what I did. The focus is not on what you did. The focus is, is what on God did in that service. And I am so sick of people that they, they, they want to try to pump up. They want to try to stir something up. But I'm going to tell you, you let God do the stirring and then everything will happen the way it should because only God can deal with your affection. So first of all, we see it has a shaking effect. This has to do with your attention. It has a stirring effect. This has to do with your affection. And it has a settling effect. This has to do with your apprehension. There are some storms. We've our preached on shipwreck the other week. He is the master of the sea. There are burdens that we must bear, but he is our burden bearer. There are heartaches that we all experience, but he is our comforter. There are fears that we all have, but he's the peace 
that passeth all understanding. Hey, when God moves inside of you, he's trying to tell you, hey, I'm still here. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And not only do I'm going to let you know that I'm still here, is that I know where you're at and I know what you're going to need. And I just want to remind you that I'm going to take care of that problem. So when God moves in you and it has that settling effect, he just wants to let you know he's there. He knows what you need. He's going to take care of it. And then it has a shaping effect. So not only do we see this afternoon a shaking effect that has to do with your attention, a stirring effect for your affection, a settling effect for your apprehension, but a shaping effect for your adaptation. He wants to mold us into making us into something useful. He wants to break us down like the potter. He wants to shape us. Might I tell you that he'll have, a potter has his hand inside the vessel at the same time he has it on the outside so he can shape you into what he would have you to be. Hey, has God been working on your soul? Has he been walking with you? He may be trying to shake you, stir you, settle you, or shape you. All he wants is our attention, affection, apprehension, and adaptation. Let him freely walk in you. We have now come to the end of our time today. I hope and pray that today's broadcast was a help and blessing to you. If you wish to contact me, you can email me at inhisgrip at inbox.com. Again, that is inhisgrip at inbox.com. But before I go, I just want to remind you one more time that you are in His grip. Isaiah 41.13 says, For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. Join us at the same time next week for more old-fashioned singing and preaching. I am Jonathan Smith, and thank you for tuning in. You have been listening to the In His Grip radio broadcast. Thank you.